You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of ACB Advocacy Update. This is Claire, the Advocacy and Outreach Specialist here at ACB. I want to insert something witty, but I don't got anything. So my partner here next to me is... Clark Rockfall, Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind. Thank you to everyone for downloading and listening to another Advocacy Update podcast. This one on Halloween. There you go. That's is that witty? That's witty enough. Yeah, that's the wit that we go for here at ACB. So thank you everyone for listening on ACB Radio or via your favorite podcast player. Um, Please share the podcast as well as let us know what you like, what you didn't like, and you can do that by messaging us at, or emailing us at advocacy at acb.org. You can tell me how much you love me and how much you don't like Clark. We understand, you know, we take honest criticism. <laughs> Great, well, we are um, joined by a exciting guest today. Um, I feel like I could ramble on all day about the project he's been working on and the show he's been working on, but I think I'll let him in- uh, introduce what he's been working on because he'll do it far better than I will. Um, so, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about what you've been working on? Yeah, uh, my name is Joe Streche. I'm the associate producer and also blindness consultant on Apple TV Plus's C, uh, which is a uh, streaming television program that'll be coming out on November 1st. So, just to stop you for a second, you said blindness consultant. Are you blind yourself, then, or visually impaired? Yeah, great question. I am blind as well, and I'm also. Uh, I professionally trained from Florida State University in uh, teaching children who are blind or visually impaired, orientation, mobility, and a specialty in transition from school to work. Okay. So that's your educational background. How do you get from uh, studying that at Florida State to becoming an associate producer? Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> it's a uh, uh, interesting path. I guess coming out of graduate school, I. I uh, went to work in, uh, I did my uh, internships and stuff in New York and New Jersey. And then I went to work for New Jersey teaching orientation mobility. And then I got hired on in Florida to run all their transition services uh, statewide and oversee them and provide uh, quality assurance. And the American Foundation for the Blind created a position for me in their Career Connect program where I Uh, worked and helped create curriculum around employment, but also uh, eventually ran that program. Uh, And part of that, I started writing uh, blog posts and other things around uh, entertainment. And I have an undergraduate in uh, communications and public relations, where I also studied media effects. And uh, one of my passions became, uh, during graduate school, writing about the portrayal of blindness. And so I wrote articles for Access World, uh, AFB's Access World, uh, specific to the portrayal of blindness, uh, kind of critiquing how uh, some things have been portrayed and uh, looking at them, and then also other disabilities. And because of that, and all my experience and my background in in orientation and mobility, I was a vision rehabilitation therapist or teacher in uh, Florida during my graduate work, uh, finishing up uh, before leaving school too. So teaching daily living skills to older individuals who are blind or visually impaired or people going to work. And uh, all these experiences uh, gave me a background, uh, a well-rounded background in the blindness area, plus being blind. And uh, 
once in a while productions would reach out asking questions about whether it was on a documentary or casting for a show they were looking for uh, someone who's blind or low vision uh, and I would try to help them out and then uh, we started getting requests from uh, some TV shows so Royal Pains on the USA Network reached out asking if uh, I would work with them with their writers room specific to a uh, character they were developing who was blind for three episodes. So I worked with their writer's room, giving them advice and slang and things that they could uh, write into the story that would make it uh, more uh, like a better portrayal. Yeah. So uh, after I did that, uh, another show reached out real vaguely and secretively. And I, I didn't know if they had an, if it was like a reality show and, like they had an actor who was blind or a person who's blind on the show and, or if it was a portrayal of blindness and they didn't know what they needed. So uh, I started meeting with them and talking to them and I helped them define what they were looking for, like a job description. And I helped them connect to a bunch of professionals out there in the world and they started interviewing them and they asked me to interview as well. Uh, it turned out it was for um, Netflix's Marvel's daredevil. And, yeah. um, <laughs> so a superhero show but I was advising more on the blindness part around Matt Murdock the alter ego of uh, Daredevil and uh, so I got to work with uh, Charlie Cox who did the portrayal and uh, the the child version of him uh, Skylar Gertner who's on on uh, Ozark now and uh, work with some background people as well and and work on scripts and props and set uh, around his apartment and such, and then be on set for uh, specific scenes. Uh, that that one for for season one, I worked on that, and then uh, <laughs> and created videos that they could use to help uh, see look for things. and And Charlie was extremely uh, detailed, and also just probably the best person I've ever met in my life. Um, so that was a positive experience. But over time, I, I left uh, the American Foundation for the Blind and I moved to Pennsylvania to take over their director of the Bureau of Blindness and Visual Services, like their uh, director of their blind services or vocational rehabilitation. Uh, and and I, so I, I started moving there. I moved there. On, I flew there on a Thursday and I was going to start work on a Monday. And I got a call on Friday morning uh, from an executive producer from a TV show saying that their creator of their show and the lead actor in our sh in a show <laughs> was going to do a portrayal of blindness, and one of their producers worked on Daredevil, and uh, they they said there was only one person they wanted to bring in for it, and they thought it'd be perfect. Right. So I I uh, was like, I am starting a new job on Monday. They're like, can you come out for a number of weeks? I'm like, I don't think so. I'm like, I could come there right now, spend the weekend with her, and then uh, come back every weekend uh, and work with her. So I hopped on a train like an hour later and, uh, went straight to New York and, uh, ended up working with her through the weekend. And, uh, then the next week and the next weekend, and we spent, I train people as though I would train a person who is blind or low vision using, I use sleep shade, uh, to help them, uh, depend on their, their senses and develop those senses and, on, and pick up things that they wouldn't normally pick up when they're depending on their vision. Uh, you know, a person with, who's low vision, depending on their vision, might, their might, vision might be inconsistent. But all these characters were, were considered totally blind. And I, I look at when the, the individual became blind, I look at the research around that 
to help uh, with the character development and how their postures are and different things. And then we play with the world depending on what the producers are looking for, the, the creators are looking for. And uh, so I got to work with Britt Marling and props and set as well. And, and uh, they actually used my, my Britt was using my canes in the show uh, because their, their prop versions of, of the canes did not show up in time. So, so throughout the show, she's using my canes, um, personal canes. And then um, I, I, so I went on to working uh, with, uh, with the Bureau of Blindness and Visual Services in Pennsylvania and uh, doing that work. And once in a while, I, I, people would reach out to me. There were, there were shows that reached out to me and went through the concept. And I, and I was like, I don't think that's something I want to work on. And, uh, and eventually uh, Apple uh, came to me or uh, one of the people from the production early on uh, reached out to me in like March 2018 asking if uh, I would be interested in meeting with them. So I, I met with like uh, the executive producers and, and the, uh, the creator, Stephen Knight. And uh, then I met with Francis Lawrence and they offered me the position and uh, and it, we just realized it was a bigger lift and the whole world revolves around blindness in a science fiction based world, hundreds of years in the future. Uh, but also like we were also going to be bringing on actors who are blind or low vision. So it kind of molded different worlds of mine, like, you know, creating accommodations and helping people in employment, uh, stuff I've done in the past, like uh, within the workplace, uh, but also uh, uh, molding the world about, the portrayal of blindness and and looking at what we can do and what we can't do and and figuring out what works for the show too. Joe, what are some of the things that you notice um, when working in this capacity, either um, teachable moments or misconceptions um, to Definitely. the world of blindness uh, that are pretty easy for you to address or correct. And as soon as you do, there's just a, like an aha moment for the staff, the crew, writers or actors. Yeah, there, there are a number of those for sure that jump out at you. Um, you know, we always start from a place of education and awareness, making sure they have a background and uh, address the misconceptions right from the start. I was, they met with like an executive producer and then they met with me. I was the second person they met with when uh, joining the show, whether they were cast, whether they were a new producer, whether they were a new director. Um, so spending time together and uh, learning from each other and asking questions and then also bringing up and uh, using videos from my friends who are blind from around uh, the US and Canada uh, about their lives as people who are blind or low vision. But I, I think like there's lots of misconceptions out there, you know, uh, easy one about you know, brailing the face or feeling the face, you know, uh, we don't go around feeling people's faces, you know, like, you know, uh, that's a very intimate thing, first of all, and you're just touching someone's stranger's face or even, you know, in an intimate moment, I, you know, I'm married. I, you know, I, you know, rarely would I, would I do anything like that with my wife? Um, you know, I have an idea of what, uh, what my wife looks like. I don't go around feeling her face, <laughs> Nor, uh, nor strangers' faces. Um, that's that's the oh, easy that one. Stop doing that, then. My bad. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, Claire. Get, get with it, Claire. Us. Darn it. <laughs> <laughs> that explains a lot from the last time I met you, Claire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and most recently, you've been working on. You said a, a project with Apple TV Plus. 
Yes. Uh, most people I think are aware now the show is called C and you've already described it a little bit calling it a, a sci-fi yeah. uh, type production, but can you give us some more background about the show? Definitely. So basically our show, uh, you take uh, what our world now and maybe a few hundred years uh, later, uh, or not even not that far. We don't define when there's a viral apocalypse happens uh, not too far off and uh, causes the Earth's population pretty much to be eliminated for the most part, except uh, there are about a few million people left on Earth and those individuals merge blind. And then our show place, takes place 600 uh, years or uh, six centuries from this point in time. Uh, so after civilizations and societies of sorts have uh, developed out, but Earth has been has really uh, been re-energized and lack of population, you know, uh, damaging the Earth, and and you see remnants of of uh, today's world and and things that might not uh, biodegrade, such as plastics and metals and stuff, um, throughout uh, the show, and 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 they. And the people, you know, have a different way of using uh, the environment and ecology uh, in, in this world. And, it, and our show is about a family. It really is about a family uh, making it through the world together and uh, trying to uh, survive uh, in a world where uh, vision is seen as like a heresy. Or, uh, and these two twins are, are they, or well, this set of twins are born uh, with vision and, it, and it's noticed at, at some point. And uh, the family is trying to protect them because there are people that believe that uh, uh, this is a heresy and vision is something that is not even a memory, really. Like it's been hundreds of years without it uh, in a world where most things have been destroyed, uh, not because of blindness, just because of lack of population or people uh, that had those skills in, at the point to, uh, to make sure that those things continued. Uh, but and you would argue, uh, what is the world better off at this point? Or, or you know, uh, I don't know. It's for you to decide. It, like, what if this happened? What if the world was like this? So we had to look at how people who are blind uh, might build out a world or little civilizations. And they're not all the same. And you'll see that if you watch the show. And I, I would stress watching the whole season and to make a judgment and, and really uh, see where it goes. Uh, there are a lot of questions asked, and and I would say the characters are modern. Like uh, they're they're good and bad. You know, you see the the positive and negative of each character. So I'm curious, on a day to day basis, on the the set, were you able to give your input right there? You know, if uh, they did a scene and you said, you know, I don't think a blind individual would do it that way. Were you able to give your input, or was it more after the fact? How did they um, have you participate? Um, and giving your input? Yeah, I would say like it, the show was kind of like uh, building a plane while you're flying it. You know, we were trying <laughs> to figure out, uh, never worked on a show this size with this much blindness. For and sure. for, the, sh and for the, the producers and everyone to understand uh, what, what the important role it was and what, what we could do and um, how we could do it and, and really f figuring everything out. And, and then you throw in also actors who are blind or low vision and making sure they have what they need to be successful. Um, and, or just that everyone understands about blindness. Um, so I would say it, it developed out. I would say 
I became more and more involved in the show, what got made it to screen, like as the show goes on. And I would say that, um, you know, as we also, uh, the scripts were developing as we were going and our showrunner, Dan Schatz and uh, John Steinberg, who uh, uh, wrote a number of uh, scripts as well and, and Stephen Knight early on. But I, I got to, we got to put in a lot more little pieces of blindness later in the episodes, like four through eight, you'll see little glimpses of things around blindness that most people won't know. There are little pieces earlier on, uh, but more and more. So I would say from, I was there and I was able to provide input in uh, episodes one through three for sure. But uh, from four through eight, I was right next to the director uh, during blocking, which is when you set up each shot or for a scene and you go through and then I would make suggestions and then we'd bring them to the actors and, uh, and, or corrections or whatever, and, or talk about it with the actors, what they're, they're, they're thinking. And then what I notice in this environment. So I would say I got more and more involved as the show went on. And, uh, and I just, <laughs> I, I, I hope people, uh, watch the episodes and, 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 and watch the season and see what, see as it develops. But Joe, you were there to provide, uh, instruction and direction to the excited, uh, crew as well as actors and actresses but you said that there were blind and visually impaired actors mm -hmm. on the show as well definitely so i i provided uh so part of my job was to you know work on scripts uh, part of my job was to uh work with the you know the producers and director and then the the lead actors and and then also working with a, t a movement team where we worked with the background and and to help uh develop out uh, they really developed out the cultures like that outside of just the blindness, but like these cultures, these little uh, civilizations and the differences, whether it was their posture or uh, like, uh, I don't know, music or the musicality they use or, uh, and we played with movements and how we can navigate in different ways, experimented with whips. Like I found that I could use a whip just like a cane. Uh, with the tapping, it's, it's such a light touch with the whip. Actually, you don't sling a witch, it's a whip. It's just like a flick of your wrist. And actually, and also I can use the sound for echolocation to make out an environment. I wouldn't walk around indoors using a whip because you're breaking the sound barrier and you'll end up with hearing problems pretty quickly. Uh, but uh, outdoors, I could easily do it. And um, so we played with things like that, but also with our actors, who are low vision, you know, a lot of these actors, uh, you know, uh, don't know the skills that people who are totally blind use. So making sure that they understand as well. Um, and, and, and also it's true to the world because, you know, we had to be uh, consistent in our different uh, civilizations and, and they brought also additional stuff to our show. The actors who are low vision or, or blind, uh, brought little details that they they thought should be in the world or that they noticed in the scripts as well. So uh, it, it wasn't just my input. It was also the actors working on the show. And Joe, in the same way that the, the producers in Apple TV Plus, uh, the same way that they reached out to find you and bring you on board, was there a concerted effort to find blind and low vision actors and talent? Yeah, we, we definitely uh, try to recruit actors who are blind or low vision, going through a lot of acting groups around disability, uh, through consumer groups. Um, emails went out on lists and uh, trying to gather people and, and give people the opportunity. You know, we had to be vague about our, 
you know, there's a lot of secrecy. You're dealing with a television show and then you're dealing with Apple as well, you know? Um, so making sure that, uh, we, we don't give away the intellectual property, but we, uh, provide people an opportunity. So yeah, we definitely recruited actors who are blind or low vision. And I, I have a different perspective on it too, in other ways, because I worked in state government where we were preparing people for employment, where you look at labor market information when you're deciding like in Pennsylvania, are there jobs in theater and acting? And is that the best option for an individual? And sometimes, uh, you know, states, uh, uh, I often went out on a limb, but you know, there were times, you know, if you're not willing to move from Erie, Pennsylvania, theater, theater might not be the best option for you or, uh, you know, so, and I, I know there are similar states, uh, other states that feel the same way, but it, you know, uh, we, it, it's an exclusive profession and there haven't been a lot of opportunities, even for the actors who are great, uh, who are blind or low vision. So, uh, I, I feel like we're opening doors and, uh, providing people a, a new opportunity or at least an opportunity to showcase their work. And, uh, and, uh, yeah. It's a it's a continual uh, process, and we will work to get better. Just like you know, I said we were building the plane. We could we'll continue to to work to build our our, our process, and uh, we changed our casting process too uh, mm -hmm. to make sure uh, people had the best chance to succeed. That's what I really caught my attention was this new door that's being opened for actors and actresses and those in the performing arts who are blind or visually impaired because it is tough. I mean, I know mm -hmm. little about that world, but what I do know is that there are few uh, opportunities for persons who are blind or visually impaired. So how exciting to have an opportunity that can open the door for that community of actors and actresses. Yeah. And, and typically the portrayals that people who are blind or low vision go out for is as the person disabled person or the person sitting in the corner or the person laying in a bed who needs help or something like that. And this kind of throws it on its head. Like in my studying media effects in, in college at East Carolina university in uh, communications, we studied how uh, minority groups um, migrate into media and, and the steps that they go through. And we kind of flipped the, uh, flipped it upside down by we're seeing people as warriors we're seeing people as villains we're seeing them as lovers we're seeing them in intimate situations uh, we're seeing them in all different ways and uh, as heroes that that you typically don't see um and as well as giving those opportunities uh rightfully so to people who are blind or low vision and we'll continue to look for uh for those talented actors who fit those parts it's true yeah that's that's great that's great. And Joe, we know our audience really wants to um, to watch and also listen to this programming. So where will we be able to view C? So it'll be through uh, Apple TV Plus and you can find it through your iOS devices, Apple devices. Uh, if you buy a new Apple device, you get it free for a year. Um, but uh, through the you know, the TV app and uh, you can subscribe for $4.99 per month, one of the lowest prices for streaming networks. But they, Apple does it right. Like, you know, Apple's known for accessibility for our community and, the, and uh, persons with disabilities. And uh, you'll find that there are nine different uh, languages in audio description. And no matter what country you're in, you can access all nine. So in most cases for a streaming network, and I found this when traveling, if you end up in like Japan, you wouldn't be able to access the English audio description on, on other streaming networks. Uh, because they don't own the rights to them all. So Apple owns the rights and uh, 
So you will find that you have access to all nine audio described languages uh, for the shows, for all their content, and then also uh, for, for their, um, uh, for, oh, uh, it's the first time that a, uh, there, any uh, streaming network or uh, service has released uh, where audio description uh, soundtrack. So when you pick what, uh, what the sound is, typically it takes that sound out of whatever it is, whether it's Dolby 5.1 or whether it's Atmos, uh, which is the latest and greatest means there are speakers all over the roof and stuff to give you sounds all over. You have to have a, a nice expensive system, but Apple uh, has audio description embedded into all that sound. So if you, if you're using an Atmos system, you'll hear audio description with it and it'll ha you'll still have that same sound experience that everyone do else does with Atmos. Uh, so it's pretty cool. Wow. So it doesn't just, uh, divert everything back to mono sound mm -hmm. to get the audio it's description and the fact that it's available in, um, you said nine different languages and that's an that's addition right. to the, um, 40 different languages for closed captioning for people mm -hmm. who are deaf and hard of hearing. Um, and you know, I'm a, <laughs> I wouldn't go as far as say to fanboy, but I absolutely <laughs> love some Apple products, you know, whether it's iPad, iPhone, or my Apple TV. So we all know how accessible that user interface is exactly. yeah. and how great voiceover is. Um, so that's just going to be one heck of a, of not just viewing, but media experience. And, and for me, this is like full circle because I helped, I wrote the one of, one of two of the first uh, uh, reviews of Apple TV when it, in the second generation when they added voiceover to it. Um, so for Access World, AFB's Access World, and uh, you know, I'm here using an Apple uh, iPhone 11 Pro. I have my Apple, t I have three Apple TVs in my home. Yeah. I have... <laughs> I have iPads, I have all kinds of Apple devices. And so I, I live it every day for me. I, I'm, I, I might say I'm a, I'm a fanboy. I, I bleed Apple, I would say. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's cool. And the Apple TV plus service um, launches when? November 1st uh, on all your Apple devices and, uh, and in other ways. So through Apple TV and such, uh, you can, Grab it and uh, and start streaming and uh, check out all the different shows. The morning show looks to be a great show as well, uh, uh, from Reese Witherspoon uh, to Jennifer Aniston, Steve Carell, uh, Billy Crudup. Um, it, it looks to look at uh, you know uh, how uh, women have treat, been treated in the entertainment industry and uh, and addressing uh, similar to the you know the Me Too Me Too movement and such. Uh, you know, and uh, they, I know they brought, I got to hear Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon on Friday talk about it and uh, what it means to them. And I, I, I think uh, it'll be a touching story as well. That's great. Well, thanks. Joe, are there um, any other projects that you're working on or are we just going to have to stay tuned to hear about those? Yeah, they're, 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 uh, there's a small movie that I won't be able to talk about yet uh, coming down the line. Um, there, and there should be other thing, other, uh, projects in the future. Um, I, I've also been doing some consulting work for the American printing house for the blind who, you know, helps, uh, develop the, a lot of the products utilized in the schools, uh, for children who are blind or, uh, low vision or visually impaired or, and also, uh, trying to help, uh, adults and, and such too. Yep. 
That's great. And if Clark wants to pursue a, a career in Hollywood, do, can he uh, get any uh, suggestions, any connections? I have your Definitely. Direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have my you have my contact yeah. information. Yeah, I, I will definitely be if people are interested and have have some background in uh, theater or like in the past they've they've taken acting classes or or taking acting classes or uh, they've been in uh, in plays and uh, commercials, whatever, you know, we're, we're, we, we explore talent, you know, we're looking for talent uh, that people have uh, neglected or not found in the past and uh, giving people an opportunity. We, through our casting, our, we had an amazing casting team that uh, we cast in person as well as uh, through self tape and uh, in person, they coach the act, the actors who are blind or low vision and give them a little more tips and help than uh, they typically give to uh, people auditioning, but also with self tapes, you know, people self tape is when you have someone record you or record yourself uh, reading through something or practicing a scene or something like that or a shot. And uh, we also give a little more instruction and feedback around that. That won't just aid them for our show, but uh, we'll also uh, give them more opportunities in the future with other shows. That's so exciting. I love to hear that. So I'm, I'm excited and hoping that our listeners will take that to heart and share it with their friends who are blind or visually impaired. Because like we talked about earlier, it's, it's a venue that a lot of blind and visually impaired actors haven't had access to. So it's exciting to hear that. Um, I guarantee you will never hear a monologue from me because that would just be embarrassing. But I know there are far, far, far more talented actors out there. So I think you guys would be great. Both of you, the CL twins over there. <laughs> I like that, the CL twins. Yeah. Well, Joe, thanks for speaking with us today and sharing the not only your past and your uh, professional background, but also the, the great work that Apple TV Plus is doing with their accessible user interface and audio description and closed captioning on all, all of their programs, uh, and also about the not only the training that goes into it, but the blind and low vision actors who are uh, going to debut this Friday, November 1st in C. Awesome. Awesome. And, and one last note is that we, we included actors with other disabilities uh, as well, like whether in a cast, but also in a, uh, in our background. So we had individuals who are deaf or hard of hearing, uh, uh, individuals using prosthetics, uh, prosthetic leg or, uh, and other types of uh, disability that are in our background. You might not see them up close, uh, but they're, uh, they're in there with, uh, throughout. So uh, just, just, just this little side note. Good to know. Thank you. Well, as always to our listeners, thank you so much for listening to another episode of our podcast. Um, we were really fortunate to have Mr. Stretche on this week. Really, really fortunate. Um, if you guys want to learn more about ACB, check us out on our website at acb.org. And as always, if you have any issues you want to discuss or any concerns, feel free to reach out to us at advocacy at acb.org. And uh, yeah, just let us know. Keep in touch. We always want to hear from you guys. Wait for our next episode that'll come out next Thursday. And in the meantime, this, this Friday, November 1st, check out C. I'm excited. Check out C, everybody. C, C. Um, uh, November 1st is coming Friday, the day after Halloween. And um, yeah, thanks again for being on our show with us. And awesome. what's going on, Clark? Keep advocating. <laughs> <laughs>